What's up, guys? Welcome to Good Bad to the sequel. This is the show where we watch bad movies and we have a good time doing it. <laughs> I am your host, John. I'm Danielle. And uh, today we are covering our first Netflix movie. Yeah, why? We have watched The Dirt. <laughs> yeah, why? The Motley Crue biopic. Shouldn't have done it. Uh, before we get too deep into that, you guys Gross. can follow along on the show. You can check us out on Apple, Spotify, Google, everywhere they got podcasts. While you're there, make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star review, which we would like to be a scathing, scathing review, damning both of us. Wait, hold on. Why are you dragging me through this? Tell Danielle all of her flaws, everything that oh, makes her on. insecure, but make it five stars. Yeah. Um, and you Redemption. can find us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at The Good Bad Show. All right. The Dirt is about... Well, it's a very unique biopic in which you have a story of coming from nothing, uh, finding fame young, getting into drugs and excess, then going to rehab, then having a breakup, and then getting back together triumphantly. It's that one music bio that follows that formula. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. It's yeah. Absolutely fascinating. It's quite unique. Quite First unique. one. <laughs> Thanks, Netflix. Um, before we break down the entire movie, we are going to do some uh, awards later on. So those will be a bold statement, which we have each thought of, which is kind of a, an opinionated stance about the movie. Uh, we're going to tell you what was the worst line, what was the best line, who we thought had the worst performance, who we thought was the MVP of the movie, what was the unredeemable moment, our favorite thing about the movie, and then we're going to give it a better title, and then we will decide if... The dirt is good, bad, or just bad. I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Okay, well, this is our first Netflix movie, and uh, it shows. Like, it feels like a little bit of a step below as far as, um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to put my finger on. It's not like production value, because it's not any any like cheaper than bohemian rhapsody or anything like that no. but it just like it it flowed flewed it, its flow Fled. was it, it just felt choppy to me like they rushed from from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing it felt like a tv movie with money yes yeah exactly um so the very first thing that happens the way that we start this movie the cold open if you will is squirting squirt party hey. <laughs> so that sets the tone oh by the way tell grandma to leave the room because just by virtue of talking about the topics of this movie we're gonna say some real colorful shit you know across the last few episodes of the good bad show to the sequel you've really explained to the audience that your standards for grandma are low like grandma is not cool grandma does not have a good time <laughs> she can't handle anything beyond tea and doilies like so you know some people's grandmas are kind of cool not everyone's grandma is sitting there getting shocked all the time looking at the neighbor's kids uh, okay a cool grandma might be able to handle say uh 
the nudity in Showgirls or the violence in um, Cool as Ice when Vanilla Ice beats people up. There is not a grandma alive that will continue watching a movie which begins with squirting. Well, how old do you think this squirting girl was in the opening scene? How old is she now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. If people who used to be Motley Crue groupies are your grandma, they can stay in the room. Case closed. <laughs> Next. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they kind of tell you, like, oh, we're a bunch of partying lunatics, but we got to go back to tell you the beginning of the story. Via the Wonder Years. Yeah, like, the, the voiceovers, the constant voiceovers, I thought were pretty unnecessary. And even the actors, like the band members, who, if they were doing a good job of, of, you know, of acting as that character, that band member, in their voiceovers, they were bad. Right, and I think they were trying to go for like an 80s sitcom, like an 80s comedy feel. Yeah, they were trying to lighten I, it up. What? And I don't know if that was even intentional. I think like the nature of breaking the fourth wall and addressing the audience while there's something crazy going on behind them and the actor turns the camera as if it's an aside like that just comes off as super cheesy and maybe they just rolled with it well the this movie is based on a book also mm -hmm. so the band wrote a book which is really successful and really good i've read it um and this movie doesn't play like it doesn't it doesn't roll the way that the book does and i think it's because of that i think it's because mm. of the turn and talk to camera like zach morris and the voiceover like the wonder years and the like pause and freeze frame so then it feels like a fantastical place and it doesn't feel like real life right so yeah that took me out of it a few times but so we start with nikki six's life with his mom which in in all of these movies, in Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody and and Walk the Line, every single one of them, in my opinion, they're all the same movie. But whenever the parent is so over the top shitty, it almost plays as comedy to me. Like in in this case, it was n not, but it was approaching it. Right, like it's 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 a fine line when you're when you're making a scene that is this like vile of a parent to not go so overboard that it becomes comedic melodrama when when stepdad of the week comes in and says i told you to brush up and down and slapped him in the head that he might have had a, a stepdad of the week that slapped him i'm guessing it wasn't for what direction he was brushing his teeth right it was it was for me i didn't like the way that played out because it almost felt like they were trying to plant the seed that the movie wants you to be happy that his life was so shitty therefore he's earned his status as a proper rock delinquent yeah they all all of them they all have a um a, the movie would have you believe they have a justified reason to be in piece of shit yeah like around every turn they're like yeah they did this this and this but <laughs> he got beat up as a kid <laughs> so, and didn't know how to and, handle it and then at the end it's like executive producers and lists the band members yeah. which the, all the biopics do this right all the biopics do this so this one isn't more guilty than the rest no. um so yeah he 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 attempts suicide or he he at least feigns attempting suicide in order yeah. to get his mom arrested and then uh tells her you know like you're not gonna go to jail but leave me alone forever and he goes to the d dmv to get his name changed mm -hmm. after calling his dad with it 
the the bottles of Jack Daniels in this movie wow. are like Waldo. Like this this movie <laughs> would have too. you believe that there are just bottles of Jack Daniels growing on trees. Just everywhere. Just grab a bottle of Jack, drink out of it. <laughs> like it's not an expensive alcohol, but it does cost money and if you live on the streets, <laughs> you probably can't afford it. I wonder, I mean, I, I'm really curious about the quality of their their teeth at this age. Like, did they already lose their teeth? God. Have they gotten new teeth? Are they still on the first set of teeth? Like, at, things are bad. At the, Motley Crue, at this age, are essentially walking spirit store Halloween Whoa, decorations. Cool, man. Um, so, yeah, but he go, he gets mad after he talks to his dad, so he goes to the DMV to change his name from uh, Frank... Fr- Ferrana to Nikki Six, and then he takes his old ID and burns it in, in the, the office in the DMV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he's so yeah. he's so badass and so fucking rock and roll that he just lights a fire and no one even turns and looks at him. Yeah, right. No, one person did after he put it in the trash can, but but it didn't count. It didn't matter. Imagine you're sitting in the DMV or some sort of like state office and someone uh, lights uh, a fire. Guess what? I'm out. <laughs> I walk in and I mark the nearest exits for when shit like that happens. This is like the fourth floor on Parks and Rec. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like flashing dangling fluorescent lights. Someone's having a fight in the corner. Someone's brought their dead cats in. Yeah. And then so it, it wildly swings from that to Tommy Lee's life. Where he comes from the fucking, like, beavers. like Right, the, loving family. The most wholesome family ever. And, like, the, their biggest problem is that the sister's mad that he's wearing her pants. Yeah. And then uh, the mom's like, they're there. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. So he goes with his... He's constantly having... Um, ADD. Uh, no, he's constantly... ADHD? He's constantly having... <laughs> Uh, he, he's like, um, uh, addicted to love. Every girl that he's involved in, right. he's head over heels he with, He does right? have a love addiction. Um, and the, the one at the beginning, he's telling his parents, like, she's the one or whatever, and then he takes her to fucking Denny's and just <laughs> abandons her for Nikki Six because right. now he's in love with Nikki Six. Right. And he's just, he's just gobsmacked and in awe that Nikki Six is sitting there just drinking Jack Daniels. Like, he's like, wow. By himself at a Denny's. <laughs> hey, we've all had low moments at Denny's. We used to, me and my group of misfits in my <laughs> drinking heyday, we referred to Denny's as the Max, as in the restaurant from <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Yeah. And damn near every drinking night, which was a lot of them, uh-huh. ended up at Denny's. We had gyms yeah. in Austin. Like, we had Denny's and Waffle House and IHOP, but gyms was the local chain of choice. And you could actually get you a damn good steak at four o'clock in the morning oh, at nice. gems. All right, that that's was, what you need. And lots of parking. That's what so you need. So there's that. Not that we were driving. Maybe we, we were. We were in Someone Las Vegas was. one time and uh, we were going up and down the strip. We went d- down one side and up the other and I was collecting a glass from every single casino as we went through. I would play long enough to get a drink and I would <laughs> stack that drink on my last glass uh-huh. until I had a, like, I don't know, three foot tall stack of glasses and then I stumbled my way to the Denny's in Vegas and when I went to go open the door I used the hand that had the glasses in it and I dropped them in front of all the of door. Them? All of them and broke them. And then my drunk twenty two year old dickhead self went in and told the girl that was working there, 
some asshole just broke some glasses in front of the door and then just went and sat down in the booth. Wow. Yeah, I was that yeah. guy. So I can only rip Motley Crue so much. <laughs> you were that guy. <laughs> I'm glad this is past tense. Then, oh, okay. now, wow, this is all coming back to yeah, me. Yeah, bring it in, bring it in. Then there was a girl like three booths over who was allowing me to try to throw the wrapper of straws into her cleavage <laughs> over people. She's over... a stranger, right? Yes. A Vegas stranger? Total stranger. We never, okay. never had or did exchange words. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, that sounds like Vegas. I've had some stories too that aren't going to be uh, recorded. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, all right, so we 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 now Tommy and Nikki are are uh, are homies and they're starting a band, so they have a rehearsal space, and the first person they have come in to rehearse with them is he looks like Chubbs from Teen Wolf, <laughs> like he couldn't he couldn't be more like if if you knew nothing about Motley Crue, you didn't know who the members were, and you're watching this with fresh eyes, going, who will the guitar player be? Oh, I wonder. It's sure as shit not this like chubby like ginger pale ginger like it he's the most obvious not the guy they could have cast are we allowed to say ginger uh i think only a ginger can call another ginger ginger (laughs) well well we say a lot of shit you're not supposed to say so but we're still sensitive i'm pretty sure we've said midget several times no that was you definitely not me we you and i definitely said it no you, it was mostly you though what this bullshit <laughs> it was mostly you that's no uh-uh <laughs> so so they have they have this square dude that's playing guitar who can't keep up he can't hack it and mick mars pulls up outside for his time to to try out and he's just right out of the car a dickhead like he just immediately tells Tommy Lee, like, what was the last band you were in? And Tommy Lee tells him the name of the band. He goes, uh-huh. shitty band. Shitty name, shitty band. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, what, well, did you ever see me play? He's like, I don't need to. It's a <laughs> shitty name. I didn't have to see it. When this, so he starts getting all butthurt. He's like, how do you know? He's like, because I've been in a lot of shitty bands with shitty names. Sweet 19. That name sucks. <laughs> he just he just shows up to try to make a band and is an asshole. Yeah, I like and they And they love him. I like They're it. like, oh, wow, he's great. Well, they're looking for a rude, aggressive bassist, right? Yeah. Is there that what go. the ad said? Yeah. He was supposed to be rude and aggressive, and that's what they got. It was Remember, because they were sitting in the Denny's, and Tommy Lee points at the newspaper that Nikki Six is looking at with his drumstick and says, Step, step, that's the guy. And then Nikki Six is like, do you always carry those things around? I, I read that as that he was pointing at the, the square guy. Like, he had gotten it wrong. Like, his guess was bad. Maybe. Oh, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, whatever. So, they keep, they keep talking about how Mick is the old dude. Yes. And I'm like, uh, what? How old was he? That actor is 34. Well, so one of the other guys like fresh out of high school well the in real life yeah like uh tommy lee was like i think 18 he might, he might have even still been in high school tommy lee was the youngest one for sure and mick was the oldest guy in the band but we're not talking about the band we're talking about the movie and i was like um if you're gonna cast somebody to be the old guy maybe you should get an old guy because that guy's 34 but he could play high school like he doesn't look even remotely old no i'm just older but i guess yeah if you're 18 and you got someone in there who's 34 like that's a pretty big gap it, but i yeah, don't know how he old he looked, was supposed to be if he looked 34 yeah I don't, he doesn't how old is he supposed to be i don't i don't know i don't i don't know their, their maybe actual age gap someone's 
grandma age. <laughs> why hmm. is why are you crusading to save the grandmas? Save the gra- <laughs> Let the grandmas listen to this podcast. Let the grandmas watch. We are an inclusive entertainment entity. Grandmas love titties. <laughs> titties and coke. <laughs> Diet please. <laughs> I'll just have a little. <laughs> and one slice of key lime pie. <laughs> I'm watching my figure. <laughs> just have a little bump of coke with my key lime pie. <laughs> Vegas grandmas. You're getting it all over my glass table. There's got to be a Vegas grandmas reality show. There's got to be. There's got to be. VH1 probably already did that. They VH1 probably already, still around? They probably already went through eight seasons and we missed uh, it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I had no idea there were two Vanilla Ice TV shows. No idea. Yeah our, yeah, our our great and good friend Vanilla Ice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Mick Mars has a like a degenerative bone disease. Yes, which they shoehorn that fact in like we oh we forgot about his plight right like we have Tommy or I mean uh, Nikki Six's plight and we Real. we showed you that Tommy doesn't have a plight but we right. then they shoehorn in Mick's plight real, uh, real he's quick he's got to have a caveat he's got to have a thing and it's I'm sure that it's true but also he still is playing today right. in 2019 so how much does it how much of a plight really was it in 1983 you know what I mean like why why it just felt very, very crowbarred. They didn't really get into that that personality. I was going to say character. He would just be like slow person. to get out of a chair. Well, they didn't really get into his personality very much. And maybe he was the most like level of all of them and even and didn't have like issues that made him want to be. Like you never saw him. I don't recall in the movie ever seeing him just like completely trashed on drugs or making a mess or whatever. It seems like he was the guy who was already tucked into bed. Getting fireworks shot at him in his hotel room. Yeah, there was that poor dude. He's like, shit's on fire. Well, that's what happens when you're old. <laughs> yeah, quit being old and we'll quit firing fireworks at you while you're sleeping. Yeah, 34-year-old. <laughs> um, well, now they need a singer, yeah. right? They've got their guitar player. He, he kicks ass. They need a singer. So they go to this, like, preppy-ass all white uh pool party yep where there are just bottles of fucking jack daniels everywhere i even wrote it down lots of drinking jack (laughs) this they they have you believe that the city of los angeles at this time was just this um cornucopia of bottles of jack daniels (laughs) laying everywhere just like snatching them out of people's hands and they're so abundant that those people don't even care that you took it from their hand because they'll just pick one off the tree ladies and jack well how do you know it wasn't this way we weren't alive (laughs) during that time (laughs) um so vince neal is played by um the actor's name is daniel weber and we remember him from the Punisher TV show. Oh, he wait. was the he was what? the kid with PTSD that like is gonna go nuts oh. and joins joins the little army thing and then right. ah. he's like he's like the the bad guy for like a three episode yeah, little yeah. run. So yeah, that's who that's who that kid is. Ooh. Who I think that he had moments in this where he really really shined and really looked like Vince Neil. And was like a great kind of feminine, young, like rock star pussy hound. 
But then <laughs> there's a part where things kind of turn for him. Basically, we'll get we'll get to the part of the vehicular manslaughter. From that moment on, where he's supposed to be older and like uh, grizzled and like downtrodden, awful. Like, that is just not his strong suit as an actor at all. And it took me out of the movie a lot. Really? I didn't yeah. agree. Really? Yeah. I okay. thought he did pretty good. Uh, well, uh, when we get to that part of the movie, feel free to defend him. He had to carry a lot of heavy loads in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Take your mind out of there. Back on track. So they go, they go uh, uh, back to rehearsal and Vince shows up after after he gets a blowjob from some rando where he's thinking about Tommy Lee while it's happening, uh -huh. which was yep. odd. Um, yep. And there's a voiceover during the blowjob. Yeah. So he goes, he, he shows up at rehearsal with his girlfriend. They start playing the song Livewire, which is a fucking awesome song. And uh, she's like, nah, they're not good enough for you. Like, Oh, yeah, so this chick drives him there for the first... Like, okay, so this chick arrived from last night. The chick he just met last night. And she drives him there in this sweet-ass Porsche, which I really need in my life. She comes in with him. The guys are like, uh, well, that's kind of weird, but we don't really know this guy. Maybe they're, like, a thing that's been happening for a while. And then she basically tries to direct the whole session, and she stops him. She's heard two notes. Yep. And she's like, nope, stop. It's no good. You guys are you guys are garbage. And they, they he's not gonna shine. <laughs> yeah, he's not gonna shine. And I, I actually really love this part. They make a couple of adjustments of like, I don't know, music words I, that I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> they make some some changes. And Nikki Six points at her and goes and muzzle that. And then they she's trying to stop them again, and they just play harder to like drown her out. Yes. To the point where they like win her over. She basically is the Russian crowd in Rocky Four that just all of a sudden <laughs> starts chanting Rocky. Now she like gets it and she's like, whoa. She sees their whole future. But I, I don't know, like, why was she there in the first place? And why did she even get a voice in the first place? Like, and I'm thinking, okay, well, they're in L.A. She must be some producer's daughter. Or maybe she is a producer or the wife of a producer. Or, like, something of some value where, you know, the movie would present to you that she's annoying. But then reveal she's someone of importance and she's going to lead them on their way. This is kind of what I'm talking about, about the movie losing a lot from the book. Because there were several times in the movie where a woman, her, uh, the record exec's girlfriend, would just show up, serve their purpose, and then piss off in the movie. Yeah. And leave the viewer going, well, why, why? why was she there? So much like their real life, they're just like going through woman after woman after woman. But in the context of a movie, I'm like, but what was she there for my, what did I need to know about that? Right. What what did I what did I need to glean from this information? Yeah, what did this character contribute to the overall story? In the book, they they tell you these things, who they are and like what it meant, and you know what I mean. So like, did she matter? I can't recall, but like they, there was just more detail in the book, but hmm. I, I can't recall who she is. Hmm. Um, and then then there's this awesome scene where now they're they're a band, now they are four. Now they need to come up with a band name. Yes. This scene was hilarious. They're, really? Yes. Ugh, I thought this scene sucked. <laughs> they're sitting around thinking God, of the name. so cheese. And Nikki comes up with like X Mass. And yeah, yeah. They're, they're, he, he goes, he goes, it's, it's shocking. And Mick Mars goes, it's shocking how much it blows. <laughs> um, 
Tommy comes up with foreskin because they're going to fuck the crowd in the face every night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I guess Mick had been holding on to Motley Crue and they ran with that. They just added, what are the dots called? Uh, I don't remember. Umlauts? Yeah, I think so. Let's go with that. They add some umlauts and now they have got a legendary band name. Now they are pissing off every person across the world who has to use that long pole thing to put up a band's name on the billing outside every night. They're like, God damn it, we gotta (laughs) order a whole new set for an O and a U. (laughs) What? I had never... We can cuss in this show, right? Because I just did. I don't know if you need to bleep it. Yeah, or... this is you're the reason why Grandma has to leave the room. <laughs> talk like a sailor. What I had, I have not heard the word motley in any other context other than this band's name. You would you wouldn't hear it in this country. It's more of a a UK word. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Like I know what it means, and it it's quite accurate. Mm-hmm. But um, that that would explain it because I always thought like, oh, is this one of those things where. They took it, and then just the rest of the world kind of quit using it. Um, I can't think Maybe. of another example, but like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like the name Adolf. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, that like... is that is an, an appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Well, inappropriate, appropriate. Yeah, let's yeah. move on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I thought that uh, the band naming session was pretty lame. Really? So she's okay. I, I dug that part. Um, so then they go to their first show. Where, like, they've just hardly started playing, and someone spits on Vince's $800 leather pants. Oh, from the girl who drove him there in the Porsche and was directing the thing. So he dives off stage and just starts fighting the guy. And so their very first performance, they get in a bar fight. And I'm like, this is some legendary rock and roll shit right here. Okay, and I want to stop you there because I'm going to add to it. At this point in my note-taking section, I started creating a checklist. Oh, a tally? In my checklist, no. In my checklist, it says, first show. Now this movie is checking off all the mo- all of the boxes a rock movie should check off. So you have a doubtful first show audience. You have a fight. You've got people with a bad childhood. You've got drugs. You've got desperation. You've got people casting doubt. You've got cheating, which is about to happen. You've got hotel destruction. You've got an Aussie encounter. You've got moonings. Like, it's got all the makings for a great rock and roll movie. Let's just make sure we check off all those boxes as we go through it. You're 100% right. You hit the nail right on the head. Uh, if, if, if you guys have not seen Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story... <laughs> I cannot recommend that movie highly enough. A, because in and of itself, it's a great movie. But B, it will change the way you look at all of these music bio movies that are coming out nowadays. Because what Danielle is talking about is this paint by numbers exact layout that every single one of them does. And whatever one is your favorite, whether it's Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man or whatever, watch Dewey Cox. Then watch that, and I promise you, it follows the same formula because every single one of them does. You get your, you get your, your, your brother gets cut in half real bad when you're a kid, and you're born without the sense <laughs> of smell, and you write provocative <laughs> songs, and they sprinkle in cameos of all the contemporary famous people at the time. In this instance, it's Ozzy Osbourne at the pool and Slash sleeping on the couch, and it's 
Yeah, you're right. It is it is unbelievably paint by numbers. Yep. That doesn't mean that it's not entertaining though. Right. Because Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody is a ton of fun while you're watching it, and Rocket Man's a ton of fun while you're watching it. And honestly, the dirt is a ton of fun while you're watching it. Well, but yeah. nothing about it is original. No, like I like a nice meal. I like a nice like chef created yeah. meal, but sometimes I want a burger and crinkle fries. I, I and read, that's what this is. I read some reviews, some professional reviews of this movie. What? None of them are good, by the way, but one of them said wait wait the reviews themselves are not good or they're the reviews or... of the movie this is a very poorly reviewed movie so this is right in our wheelhouse by the way this movie has got a 39 percent on rotten tomatoes That's... but a but a 95 audience come score. on america <laughs> exactly... get it together <laughs> you is... animals you ingrates you gutter monkeys sweat hogs <laughs> yeah sweat hogs <laughs> um but one one of the reviews said that uh I'm paraphrasing here. It said it said that that panning this movie is like if your nutritionist tells you to quit eating Dryer's ice cream. You're like, yeah, I shouldn't eat Dryer's ice cream, but I'm going to because it's delicious. That's really funny. <laughs> so that's basically how they summed up this movie. So and also, yeah. if you're gonna eat ice cream that's bad for you, you can do better than Dryer's. Well, that was you can go with Briars. Not, not my example. <laughs> um, <laughs> welcome back to ice cream talk. I mean, you can get gelato. <laughs> then you're getting that full, rich cream. You know, it's just it's just different. Packs more calories per spoon. Join us next week when we break down sugar versus stevia. Oh, sugar. <laughs> so they get, in a, they get in a fight. They get back on stage and the crowd is fucking into it. And then, uh, so they finish the performance, and then my next note says, Pete Davidson, question mark, why, question mark. Has Pete Davidson acted before this? Um, he is in Saturday Night Live. Yes, I'm aware of that, but has he done any, oh. like, acting? Um, I don't know, but I really despised his character every time he showed up on screen. He is such a strange human being for a lot of reasons. Like, his face is unique. The way that he sounds versus the way that he looks like is mm -hmm. unique. His comedy on Saturday Night Live is like an acquired taste. Mm -hmm. His relationship with Ariana Grande was weird and famous for no reason. And I'm, <laughs> I don't like that I even know that. I didn't know that. They had like this weird breakup where it was like the whole world was like, what the fuck are these two people doing together? And then they broke up and he was like uh, suicidal on Twitter what? and stuff. Yeah. It Did was you learn this from Instagram? Probably. I don't oh, know. God. I wish I didn't know any of this, but if I have to, you have to. Uh. So when he shows up in this movie, I was I like, what? What? Like, the casting for the rest is pretty good. I don't like, I don't know what this guy looks like in, in real, real life, life, but I have to imagine they could have found a better actor than Pete Davidson. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, maybe he looks and has the same mannerisms as the real guy, but this dude just didn't act very well. No, it was he's really bad. one dimensional. He's real, real bad. There's one scene we'll get to later, which is one of the laziest acting performances in a scene that I can recall, at least on this show, if not like in my whole memory of movies. Whoa. Um, so just before they're about to start uh another show um vince gets caught cheating he's banging i don't know somebody some groupie, front row groupie front row groupie and girlfriend shows up and her retaliation her like breakup is stealing her 800 dollars pants back she well she wants her pants back she's like give me those pants it was all about the pants so this was this is the end point of the girl who was first introduced when she drove him to his first rehearsal and we never see or hear from her again 
Nope, that's it. That, only... well, it was all leading up to the gag where he would walk out into the audience naked, cupping yeah. his balls and go, I loved those pants. Yeah, and then that was it. <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, and that's all there was to it. It's like, I guess back in the day when they first started, an $800 pair of pants was that significant that he would keep her around because she could provide him with yeah. some money, I guess. Like, I, I don't know well, if that's yeah, what they were was, trying to say. I think, uh, maybe, I guess the idea was that he was entirely using her but that they didn't stop to really point that out. No. They just left it for you to to figure out as you're podcasting about it. <laughs> uh, unpacking the dirt with John and Danielle. So Sunday morning. Then then they're sitting around the table in a restaurant, and um, what is Pete Davidson's character? Tom some, Tom Zutat from Electra Records yep. shows up to sign them. Sits down at the table, and there's just some random girl under there, like. Low job lady. She's just like, is this like um, hot potato? Like, how do you how do you know when it's your Here turn? Here comes a new day. <laughs> she's seems pretty content with that, but I he, think Grandma would leave the the room at that point. Yeah, I told She'd you guys. Like, yeah, tell Grandma to leave the room. Not, Under table blowjobs, cocaine, terrible. Pete Davidson. The, the whole, it's not safe for Grandma around here. Um, so he's, they get signed to a record deal and, and this is another thing that they just leave for you to figure out later on or as you're podcasting about it, because this whole deal happened while they were fucked up Mm -hmm. and they were young and enthusiastic, they signed a shitty deal where they didn't have the rights to all their music. This doesn't come up again at all for the middle third of the movie. No. It's not something that's discussed. It's not something that they're like constantly ragging on him about. They just get signed. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, cool, they got signed. And then later on, it's like, oh, we're unhappy with not having our rights. And it's like, well, I didn't know you didn't have your rights. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So in real life, yeah, that is a problem. And they did get it back and da 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 But in the movie, like that, they, what they chose to spotlight as drama was only the typical paint-by-numbers melodrama right. stuff. They didn't point out the actual interesting not cliche stuff. It was only when someone was at risk of death that they chose to linger on that scene to make it feel dramatic. And then you're like, wait, hold on. I thought we were here for a good time. Yeah. Why are we doing this? So, and then then the next thing that happens is actually something that I guess disqualifies the movie for me going forward. Right? So, I'll... I'll I'll tell you what happened in this movie, and then I'm going to ask you to put this same scene in any other movie that you've ever seen. Right after these messages. <laughs> so Just kidding. They're, they're in a hotel room or somebody's house. They're partying. They're fucking the place up. There's girls everywhere. There's the standard cameo with David Lee Roth, like standard other rock person right. in the house. Elvis walking by in the background kind of, a, kind of a thing. So David Lee Roth sitting there doing coke. Somebody drops a mirror on his head, right? Uh-huh. He gets, he gets, some dude gets mad about it. And then Doc McGee, who is a, like, probably the most legendary, famous rock manager in history, punches that guy in the face. And he's like, you guys need management. Then they show Doc McGee doing a talk to camera where he goes, this didn't happen. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. It actually happened like this. Okay. Why? Then why was that filmed? Why was that shown to me? Why would you put some... This is like the end of Wayne's World. Where they're like... <laughs> Why don't we do a Scooby-Doo ending? <laughs> what? What? I've never had a movie tell me this didn't happen. You... Like, I... 
I, I like a movie that is quirky enough to carry that sort of thing, but you've got to kind of introduce that in the front. You've got to set the stage for that way earlier in the movie because I've got it, I mean, it's probably a one-third through the movie, and now it changes to storytelling directly to the audience. Yeah, this is rather than I think just maybe the first time they talk right to us. Right, too. And, yeah. it, and then it continues on from there, and that's fine. That's not a bad tactic to, to use, but don't throw it in after we've already started watching an entire portion of the movie. And and what, okay, so what am I supposed to believe in this movie? Right. Right? If I'm watching this true story, you just told me that something that you showed me didn't happen. Yeah, so deleted, how much of it didn't happen? And then they showed and they deleted another guy. They're like, oh yeah, this guy should be here too, but he's not really at it. Yeah, so from this point he forward, is, I was like, oh, this movie is entirely fiction. Right, this this is just like a drug-fueled run. Which, like, fine, if we're going to do that too, let's do it. But let's start it at the front, y'all. In, in a book, in the context of a book, some drugged-out fucking alcoholics who lived in excess for an entire decade can write into a book, hey, our memory is vague on this stuff. It might have gone this way. It might have gone that way. This is how we recall it. Yeah. You can explain that in a book. In a movie, in, if I'm disregarding their real lives in, this, in the book and I'm just watching this as a movie because that's what it is, so in and of itself, don't tell me, well, this didn't happen. Or at least bookend it. Create some context. Set the scene at the beginning. Don't don't throw in one bookend in the middle of the damn stack. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so so now I'm just watching the rest of this movie as a as a total piece of fiction. Right. So it's a cartoon. Yeah. The next thing that happens is Pete Davidson's like, "Has anyone seen my girlfriend?" And then describes exactly what she's wearing, which was odd. She's about yay, like as though she's a missing person. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then you see her her bra, which he has just described, hanging on the inside of Vince's. Uh, uh, I was gonna say dressing locker room. room, dressing room, and he's fucking her. This never has any consequences. I wrote no consequences on there. Pete Davidson turns to camera and he's like, I found out later and it was hurtful. And that's it. And moving on. Moving right, on. Right. So like here they're teaching you that bad stuff happens, but there's no consequences and you don't have to feel bad about it because this whole thing is just like comedy entertainment. Yeah. Which really ruins any any chances for them to try to make you get some sad emotions squeezed out later on because then they try really hard and your your brain is like wait wait huh am yeah. i supposed to care or yeah. is this funny well and it, and the the hard part about that is that they're talking about things that actually happened and they're doing they have done such a bad job setting up you having any emotions for them that uh -huh. it's hard it's hard to care about things that really happened right. some really bad things they want you to be callous and on board the train of like fuck it rock and roll lifestyle yeah. hell yeah this is great what a good time yeah, they just are the way they are yeah well, like... that's why we love them <laughs> yeah well so the this <laughs> montage that's happening right now is their rise from the sunset strip to uh touring the first big to, show to, to the first big show with right? pyro so the the point being they are still unknown and they're gathering notoriety right mm -hmm. so this is their very 
first show and the song that they use in this montage is shout at the devil uh-huh. they cut to an mtv clip where they go motley Cruz back in the news for more controversy hmm. their new song shout at the devil and i'm like why would what's the controversy why would anyone know who they were you, you're you're in the middle you're in the act of telling me that no one knows who they are yeah and then they're on mtv with yet another controversy right um that seems contradictory and then uh, it, then we get the Aussie part. Yeah, we do. So this is in the book. This is something that I've heard Nikki Six tell like uh, in interviews out loud. And, it, and just judging by how many places I've heard this story, that is exactly how it went down. Um, Ozzy Osbourne shows up in a woman's dress, um, basically is being the swinging dick in the room because they're telling him that he's like too old to be a rocker. Yeah. And so he lays down the challenge of snorting ants and licking up piss off the ground. His and Nikki Sixes. Yeah, which is absolutely vile. Vile. I will say huh. that Ozzy has been asked about this and has no recollection of it. Right. And that means nothing. That doesn't really mean a lot. <laughs> that means absolutely But when you say nothing. you've heard this story lots of times, has it always been from Nikki Six or has it been from other people too? Well, I mean, the other members of Motley Crue. Yeah. The only other person that could tell the story is Ozzy, and even if he did, no one would understand it. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, he doesn't recall it, but Mot- uh... the other members of Motley Crue recall it exactly how it showed in the movie. Hmm. So... You, I don't care how much drugs you're on, if that happens and you witness it, you will fucking remember it. <laughs> then again, it's a good story, right? Yeah. And sometimes when you've got a good story, whether you remember it or not, you roll with a good story. Because it's a good story and people like to hear a good story. And then if yeah. you tell it enough times, you start believing it. And that's just that's just the facts of your life. Yeah. So, I would roll with it. Fuck, I was there too. That was a great time. What a crazy ass So anyways, ride. me and Ozzy were hanging out the other day. And, yeah, uh... came in in a dress. Things got weirder. <laughs> so the next thing is another montage, which I'm okay with. I, I hated it in um, Cool as Ice, but in this movie it's about rock. So you gotta, and it's over the course of like 25 years, you have to pass time, right? Yeah. And it has an amazing soundtrack. So the next montage, I don't remember the song, but the point of the montage is... We are flying high. We've reached uh, like a peak and it's the most amount of excess and ruined hotel rooms and so much drugs and a smashed car and they're just living as hard as possible. But they're having fun. And you're getting Doc explaining, I have managed Kiss and uh, Bon Jovi and all of these other bands and no one put me through as much hell as these guys did while they were shooting off fireworks in hotel rooms and throwing karate kicks at old ladies. Yeah, right. And so the point of the montage being they are at peak Motley Crue. In the same montage, you have Vince, like, meeting some girl, and he's like, move in with me. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... Oh, the stripper. The the mud wrestling stripper. And then... And is that who that was? Yes. And then Tommy Lee being like, uh, oh, hi, Heather Locklear. So, it's the peak plus... Uh-huh. Now we're tied down. Right, so you Wait, have what? these... You got You have these guys who are living, like, without any sort of guidance like they're just having great ass time yeah Live, like they're they're championing the fun careless reckless non-monogamous life and that's what we're here for in this movie right sure. like that's what we want to see sure but then yeah they're like "Ooh, i want to be in a monogamous relationship with you what so yeah my my point being this is either a director directorial or editing flaw if the point of the montage is that they're wild and monogamous 
save the tied down stuff for at least after the montage. Well, I mean, but maybe that was them setting it up. They're like, aha, these two relationships are doomed. Yeah, I guess. We're calling it now. So, like, <laughs> I was wrong. It wasn't Heather Locklear. It was the girl before Heather Locklear for Tommy Lee. Oh, the brunette. The, the one who he, he introduces her to his parents and he's like, she's the one yeah, again. again. And, and mom's just like not having uh, it. And she's like, aren't you a groupie? And so girlfriend is on the tour bus and oh, this is the one that fucked Nikki Six like five minutes before meeting Tommy Lee's parents. Yes, right. And so she, uh, she, okay. the The views expressed for the next thirty seconds are that of the dirt and not mine. She fucks Nikki Six and then she calls his mom a cunt a bunch of times. Then she stabs Tommy Lee with a pen, thus earning her a punch in the face from a man. Right. She really had it coming. Yeah. According yeah. to the movie, you're like, well, she asked for it. Yeah. Like that. I don't want to get too far into the real life people who are the band members of Motley Crue. I will just say they are vile human beings. Um, specifically Tommy Lee and Nikki Six. And Tommy Lee has a long history of domestic abuse. Long history of domestic abuse. So for them to, they're like, well, we have to talk about it at some point in the movie, so we can't just avoid it. We'll just make sure that she earned it, right? right. She had it coming. That was deplorable to me. Right, because this movie basically puts you on a high. Yeah. And you don't want stuff bringing you down. Yeah. So if, if bad things are going to happen, then like you got to feel vindicated about it. This would be the third time I wrote down in brackets, no consequences. Hmm. He just punched a woman in the face, no consequences. Hmm. So, and then they just move on. And then the, then the next thing that happens is he meets Heather Locklear. Yep. Look at this other famous person. Now he's free. Yeah, he doesn't ah. have to deal with her anymore. Woo. Look at this other famous person. Um, but then uh, where the same party where he meets Heather Locklear, Vince gets in a car with Razzle. I don't know who Razzle is. I don't know the like in real life who like he must have been in another band. Who yeah, was when he sat them. down at blowjob table, he said he was with another band, and I cannot remember the name of them. Yeah, he. I mean, obviously. He dies here in a in a drunk driving uh, crash. So whatever band he was in ended there. I'm assuming. So that would be why I don't know who they are. But pretty pretty tragic thing. And I remember reading in the book and reading about this or seeing on some sort of VH1 behind the music or something about this. This was like a big deal in the news. Um, and this is kind of where the movie starts to to turn towards the paint by numbers band movie of like drugs get worse and you know the band starts to have strife with each other right things are falling things are falling apart but i wasn't set up for this well, really? i wasn't i wasn't no no i mean the movie doesn't set you up to think that you're gonna have anything but a good time the entire time and then all of a sudden you're seeing their strife and you're still like, yay, this is funny. Like, oh no, they're making it not funny. Make it over. Like, oh no, they're still rolling with it. Oh, okay. I guess now it's the third movie. Cause the first movie was them setting up the voiceovers. The second part of the movie was them talking at the camera and saying like, haha, what a great time. And the third part of this movie is like consequences. Bah, bah. Yeah. And just by the fact that there's four band members that they need to constantly be like going back to what's going on with them, they they are they have to rush through every bullet point, yep. right? Like, 
Um, Tommy Lee met Heather Locklear. Vince Neil killed a guy in a car crash. Nikki Six is on heroin. And I wrote down, wait, heroin? That was quick. Like, yeah. in, in, you know, I knew it was coming because it's a rather famous addiction problem. And he did die twice and things like that. So, but I was like, in the movie, Jesus, they, they didn't even hint at heroin before that. They just like, he, and he's doing a voiceover that is essentially, now I'm on heroin. Right. He's like, ah, uh, I was, I never got loved as a child and I was never wanted, but now I feel love from heroin. Yeah. And his, he's saying, I, I earned I it. I didn't go visit Vince in jail and because I'm, because I'm a junkie now, um, so then I wrote down here, sad strung out part. Too fucked up to perform. Yeah, I wrote sad strung out part, and then I retroactively in front of that wrote obligatory. Of course. Obligatory sad strung out part. Um, and then then they show up to rehearse, and he goes to give Vince some like white powder on a on a tray, yep. and it turns out to be smack. Her- smack. Why would you? Like, that's awful. That's an awful thing to do. Like, just out of just out of jail where part of his, I think, probation terms were to stay sober. Yeah. And so, of course, when he gets out, they're like, hey, man, you want some of this? Yeah. <laughs> just, like, I was like, man, that's that's a shitty thing to do to yeah, somebody. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Um, and then, uh, then at this point, Doc... Uh, no, no, no. This is where his mom starts calling him constantly. Right, leaving voicemails. He's just, voice like, mails. laying in the closet, being strung out, and, like, listening to his mom's, um, uh, what was that machine called? Answering machine. Answering machine. Voicemails. <laughs> I forgot what an answering machine Voice is Voicemails. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that, that all just was, like, like, everything in this movie, and it's because there are four of them, and it's a lot of information to deliver. It just, it all felt shoehorned in. Yeah. I forgot about his mom up until that point. Like... She played a good crazy. Yeah, she's alright. Yeah, she's pretty good. I mean, like, that's a very cliche character, but she... Right. That, that actress did a pretty decent job. Um, and then, like, Vince is clean at this point, right? Or, like, he's at least mellow. He's trying. And... He's having marital issues. Yeah, like, his, his daughter... They do a really bad ADR of the daughter crying because he's trying to hold her. Like, every shot is of the kid turning her head away from camera yeah. as you're hearing her cry. Um, so so what what they're trying to give you here is that he's having marital issues even though he's clean, right? And he's, he's probably uh, really struggling with the fact that he killed some people. Well, right. and I think they're having, they're all having marital issues because they had this long tour around the world. Yeah. Like they were going to, it seemed like hundreds of cities. They made, they made it, they made it, uh, they made it seem like they were just never, never, never at home. Right. Which means Heather Locklear is done with him. This other lady, Vince's wife, is done with him. He gets home, all the boxes right. are packed up. So, so the good time in the movie is winding down, right? Yeah. We're headed down a road which we think, okay, now the party is over and we're headed towards disaster. Point of view, day in the life of Tommy Lee, which is super fun and awesome. This is rad. I'm going to barf on a stripper. <laughs> I on a stripper and Doc chained me to the bed. Woo! I, li- I liked that. I liked that part. Because it was, once again, like, how many views do we have? They're, they're doing voiceovers, they're talking to the camera, and now you're seeing it from his eyes. Like, literally, camera next to him, like, shaky camera, gets shakier as he gets drunker throughout the day. Now we're barfing on a stripper. I liked it. <laughs> I just thought it should have been earlier in the movie. 
It would it would make sense because like he's still riding high while the other guys are starting to go downhill. Which yeah. okay, fine. If it's not a paint by numbers movie, then maybe that's how it really happened. Like he was still having a great time while these other guys are you know kind of starting to age out of the whole rocker process. Yeah. But it did it just this movie doesn't really know what it's doing with your emotions. Right. Yeah. Um. And so. You get you get the day in the life the the point of view of Tommy Lee and this scene ends with Doc bringing Nikki's mom to the hotel. Yep, she is like I don't know what the psychological evaluation would be, but she thinks the song "Looks That Kill" is about her. Uh huh. <laughs> well, she's super manipulative, right? Yeah. Like that's her game. And so Nikki gets pissed. He fires Doc McGee. And then I wrote down, heroin intensifies. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he just he, goes well, off the rails. Yeah, because he was trying to forget about that dark place. And then, you know, his manager brings it to yeah. him. Yeah. Like, to his life. And so he's got to cover that up as fast as possible. Yeah. it's Which, that, that section of the movie was actually one of the more... Um, put together like you i understood the message they were trying to right. deliver beyond just like we're partiers and then you get uh <laughs> tommy's wedding he's marrying heather locklear and nikki six is just being a dickhead but did you notice what tommy lee was wearing for his wedding the no what was he, he had this like all white like pants oh, white wedding. shirt white jacket white super fluffy frilly frilly uh wrists and like pirate shirt right he had the ruffle shirt <laughs> he's eight feet tall and he has jet black hair and yeah. i'm like that is fucking rock and roll <laughs> all about it was his pretty rad. It was all about his wedding attire um but you know Nikki's being a dickhead, and you know this is pretty cliche stuff here. Yeah, like, after an extra super drugs night. Yeah, super drugs. He's supposed too, to be best man. He's too strung out to really do his best man shit, and like the wedding doesn't go well. They and they show the pictures, the real wedding pictures at the end of the movie in the credits, and the, the he doesn't look. I'm sure that this actually happened, but he doesn't look that bad in the pictures. Like, his his eyes are, like, kind of funnily open wide, but he's also still kind of in his stage makeup, it looks like. It, it seems like he's wearing mascara at the wedding. <laughs> well, I, th- I, think they're, I think they were born this way. Oh, I see. Yeah, the, mm, they're, they were natural. just born like Maybelline. that. <laughs> so, then... He goes, you know, he shuts down even further, Nikki Six does, and so he goes to just this, like, drug den where, you know, obligatory cameo of Slash sleeping on the couch, and some rando dude comes and brings him some heroin, and they have this, like, somewhat humorous conversation about Walt Disney while he's shooting up. Right. And he dies. And as the ambulance, as they're putting him in the ambulance... Which you would have to believe is minutes after he has uh, gone down, right? Mm-hmm. Vince is at home watching it on TV? Yep. What? Because he's a family man. Right. He's at home, but why is it immediately on TV, right? If I, if I choke on a chicken bone here today, how long is it going to take for the camera crew to show up and broadcast it live? I mean, this is Hollywood. Like, those... If there's going to be in a place in the world where that could happen, it's going to be there. I, I might look into today whether or not that was on TV. I'm curious. I, I'm, I'm curious. guessing they reported on it after the fact. I don't know. Not live as it happens. So he he dies. 
But then the this this awesome EMT <laughs> yeah. he goes, This is fucking Nikki Six, I'm not letting him die. And just in starts, my ambulance. He just starts jamming adrenaline in his yeah. chest. Um, and then he comes back to life and the EMT's like wide eyed, like, Hell yes! I saved him! <laughs> I saved rock and roll. <laughs> he reminded me of Mayor Goldie Wilson from uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> and then um he goes back to his house and shoots up again. Yeah, he's uh, done with drugs. Nope, not true. Yeah, that that was a non-cliche part. That, that was, in every other movie, that would have been the end of the drugs. Yeah, right. No, like, no he had to really hit rock and, bottom. And I, Redefine so, it. Somebody fact-checked me on this at The Good Bad Show. I think Nikki Six has been clinically dead twice. Wow, that's awful. Yeah, I, th- I want to say that it has happened to him twice. He, he might be one of the first people that will die three times. Wow. So, uh, but I could be wrong about that. How many times has Ozzy been dead? Never. He never will. He's going to end at zero. He's just pickled. It's just going to be the roaches, Twinkies, and Ozzy when Wow, this is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) This is amazing. We'll all be entertained. Okay, so now, now Nikki has hit rock bottom. Now he's going to get the whole band together and they're all going to go to rehab. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Uh at this point in the movie, Vince is already clean. Right. So when they get done with rehab, he's the one that's the most pissed off that they have to be clean. Yes, because he's not having fun anymore. He's like, this blows. We're at... Okay, so first of all, they stop drinking and stop doing drugs, but they still go to strip clubs. Right. Which is like, basically, you are surrounded by alcohol and drugs. Like, you're doing it wrong. Well, I bet that was actually really hard for them to, like, find a new life. Yeah. Minus drugs and alcohol. For sure. Like, where do you... We struggle with, like, where do we go if we're not going to drink? Exactly. But yeah. we're not going to go to a strip club because, like, <laughs> yeah, you're going to go... Dr- something's gonna happen like if you're trying to get over cheating on your significant other you don't go to a strip club to like wind it down yeah right (laughs) which is basically what they're doing it's like if you're trying to get over not drinking and doing drugs and like two of them have already gotten in trouble for cheating by this time like don't go to a strip club (laughs) that is the basement of vices like don't do it i bet you if you approach all four of them any of the four of them today 2019 they're in their like 50s and approaching 60s <laughs> yeah they're grandpas and you were like where could you go besides the strip club i bet you they can't think of a spot <laughs> well shit i don't know i guess my house <laughs> uh, pff, I, don't, I don't know is there other places like, like why would you not even i don't know denny's like so so they do this another montage which is explaining that you know they're still pretty successful but that they're boring now like right. that they're they're not having a good time super boring this is the second time in the movie now where the the um the actor who plays doc uh david costable will take me out of the movie entirely okay since the this didn't happen part they've won me back over now they're like boring and sober and doc turns to camera and goes blah blah fucking blah and i'm like okay what why if you if you don't care why do i care i really didn't understand that insert i don't know why you would have a character do that Oh, yeah, that was, it didn't work very well. That was Mick anyway, right? Was it Mick? Yeah, it was okay. Mick, because he was on stage, yeah, yeah. and there's all this pyro That's happening right, behind right. him, yeah. and then he turns it, it's, it seems like it was the first thing they shot in the entire film. He, it was super I, weird. I really, like, okay, so you're you're on set, you have a script, there's a director, you're, everything you do should have a purpose. What was the conversation where we'll have you turn to camera and go blah, blah, fucking blah, 
and then we'll leave it in the movie. I don't, I don't, I really didn't understand what that was doing in there. I, I guess it was like everything was just such a blur or it was too much or it was like same old, same old, but I don't know. We should it's, move on from well, it's it. a really small detail that had a pretty big negative. In, yeah, because it sucked. It, yeah. So, so then they're at rehearsal. Everybody's pissed off and sober. They can't get a hold of Vince because his wife left. So he's at home just like sulking. Right. But we don't know if he even ever told them that, but they're just pissed off at him. Right. Yeah. Well, the, the this the movie starts being in fast forward yep. from this point on. They just are glossing. checking things off, They're glossing over major details now. So he gets a fax text message, which says, yeah. "Get your ass down here." <laughs> you get the obligatory quits slash fired. Uh-huh. Every band movie has "I quit." I'm well, out. Well, you're fired, right? So that every every band movie has that. The band broke up. Then I wrote down here. He looks twenty three slash fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Because they draw a beard on him. <laughs> and he just, he sits in the bar drinking with his, his like drawn on beard, which is just a bad look. No longer sober. And then, and then they reveal to you that his daughter has got stomach cancer. Mm-hmm. This is a real thing that happened to a real man in real life. And I don't want to minimize that to the real Vince Neil. That's awful. And I'm very sorry that he had to go through that. In the context of this movie... That little girl was a good actress, but she's a fucking little girl. Come on, everything around her. You have to say she's a good actress. The 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 guy playing Vince Neil for all the sad parts, um, Daniel Weber. I thought this was all absolute trash. (laughs) His crying face is hysterical, (laughs) and I I felt really bad that I found this funny because it's such a sad topic, but. His acting is so bad that I was laughing about it. <laughs> That's terrible. It is terrible. I and didn't I wish agree. they didn't thought, do this to me. I thought he I, I thought he did all right. I didn't agree that yeah. it was that terrible. Like it was it was it was goofy within context and it's a bad movie when there are parts that want you to feel sad and you're like, ah, come on, let's get this over with. Back with the fun. Because that's what they set you up the whole time. And then you're like, oh, I guess I should feel bad. Like, you as a human start feeling kind of shitty. I, I, I really had conflicting feelings about all of this. <laughs> because, A, I felt really bad for the real human being involved, human beings involved in that situation. B, I felt personally like a piece of shit that I felt like that this scene was so funny. Uh-huh. And I was actually having a good time laughing at the scene, which is about a terrible thing that happened mm-hmm. in real life. So I felt very conflicted about this whole situation. Basically, um, everything is falling apart right now. <laughs> and then, Everything's and falling while apart. While that's happening, they're intercutting back and forth between little girl with stomach cancer uh-huh. and... Nikki Six talking to Pete Davidson about getting back the rights to their music as though those two things are on the same level. Yeah, right. They're at the blowjob table. So this this is another part where another reason why I couldn't really take any of it seriously. No, no, they're not at the blowjob table. They're backstage at a show that has 12 people at it. Oh. And this, this is... Oh, right. Yeah. Empty audience. They were failing. This is what I was talking about earlier about Pete Davidson having the laziest acting performance I think I've ever seen in my life. So, so he, he goes to Nikki, well, the studio is fed up with you guys and, uh, they're, they're tired of your, your show not selling out. And Nikki goes, 
well, then maybe you guys should give us back our rights. And Pete Davidson, not even looking at Nikki Six, because Nikki Six is walking, he continues looking in the same direction. He goes, what? What are you even saying? Are you saying you want your music back? If you watch that scene back, you'll see what I'm talking about. It is absolute trash. Like a day one... I was like, going to say, maybe they filmed that first too. It would be like me being a professional actor. <laughs> it, it would... It just... Like you... It's a small thing, but it, it was huge to me because I really caught how bad it was. There were quite a few parts of this movie where I was watching it and I thought... This is what it would look like if I directed it or if I wrote it. Because I'm not a director and I'm not a writer. Yeah. And it would not come out very well. Right, exactly. So they, they just, from this point on, they just blast through a bunch of details. Yep. Uh, Nikki Six goes to his father's grave and finds out that he has a brother. Um, and they go pick up Mick and he's gotten a new hip. They just happen to arrive at the hospital just as he's getting his, coming from having a hip replacement. And he's just ready to walk. Right. Um, and um, then they then they go meet Vince and have a sit down with him. At the bar. This, this is the second time I'm watching this movie. And I found this scene hilarious the first time. And I found it even funnier the second time watching it with like a more critical eye. Yeah, yeah. So, they, 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 again, going back to this terrible thing that happened in real life. I'm very sorry about that. But in the context of this movie, they're sitting around at the table. They're trying to get Vince back in the band. Tommy, they're like, blah, blah, blah. We need this. This is my family. This is the closest thing I've ever had to family. I just need to get back together. I don't care if we ever even play music again. And Tommy Lee goes, I love you, man. Like, we all love you. There's a long pause. And then Nikki goes, and I'm sorry about Skylar. You didn't want to lead with that. You didn't think that's the first thing you guys should talk about. You've been sitting at this booth for 20 minutes and now you're sorry that his daughter died. But that's the point. Like, they're emotionally bankrupt. They don't have... They don't know how to deal with their emotions, which is why they live a crazy wild life. Because they're covering up this void that they have of, like, proper human emotions that most people know how to emote. So, yeah, of course he's going to do it wrong. He doesn't know he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes to emotions. You're right about that, but I don't think that I don't think that's why it went the way it did in the movie. Hmm. I didn't feel that anyways. I just felt like the way that it was written on the page was ridiculous. And then and then so once they bring up Skylar, Vince has a like a breakdown, right? And he's saying Something to the effect of, like, it's against the laws of the universe yeah, for yeah. parents to outlive their kids. The The lines are good here. The His crying face and his, like, clenched fist in the air is such overacting. <sighs> and his, like, boo-boo face. That actor just isn't fit to do that scene. And I thought it was hilarious. Aw, I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. Aww. <laughs> Uh, he was the only one who had to have more than one emotion this whole time. Yeah, he was. Because, like, Nikki Six, what, he had his ups and downs, but he was, like, pretty, like, even the entire time. Whether he was up or down, he just kept on this sort of, like, androgynous, glam rock, yeah. like, serious face the entire time and just, like, went about his business. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they get back together and they're headed out on stage in, like, the slow-mo, you know, obligatory end of the movie. We're back together and triumphant. Right. And basically what Nikki is explaining in the voiceover is that we are terrible people. We've done terrible things. We're real pieces of shit. But we did it together. Right, because the, the idea of the movie is that plus 
they all they have is themselves because their entire life is just a revolving door of people. Yeah. Nobody stuck around. They, Nobody stuck around. Because how could they? Right. Yeah. They needed each other because they're the only ones who understood each other. Yeah. Um. So that pretty much covers the the movie. I will tell you guys the the listeners. Um. I. I would highly recommend that you read the book, The Dirt, because you actually will get go through the ride of this band's career in a much more concise fashion, um, and you'll actually feel the emotions that that you know you'll have sympathy and empathy for their actual problems, uh, which I do have for those real people. But this movie just did not convey any of that for me. Right. However, I had a really fucking good time watching it. I will say that. So, um, before we get into our awards, I've got a couple of shout-outs for some social media pages of things that show Motley Crue some love. Um, on Instagram, there is a page called at motley.dirt.crew. Um, and they kind of mix up the real-life band as well as the movie. And then there's a page called at Motley's Dirt. They kind of do the same thing. So if you're a big Motley Crue fan, you probably hate everything that I've had to say. But you can go check out those pages. On Twitter, there is someone who was an actual photographer for the band. Um, uh, they are Motley's Crew Fan Shots at Shout Photos. So go check them That's out. That's cool. I yeah. like that. Yeah, they actually have um, like eight or nine years worth of being a professional oh, wow. photographer for the band. That means like they are the fly on the wall. Yeah, exactly. That's super yeah, they, cool. they that person has probably got some serious fucking stories to tell. Yeah, I would like to read that person's book. Um, so let's get into our awards. We have got some bold statements. Danielle, what is yours? Um Motley Crue, Rock Movie one oh one. This is pretty pretty standard stuff. Right. It's it like is template. It, it is and it isn't, right? If you if you follow the beats, it's very standard. But the amount of nudity and drug use and like they they put it all out on front street in this one which they do not in others that was my biggest gripe with bohemian rhapsody i think i think that netflix was trying to be like the hbo of the rock movie yeah they're like all right we don't have restrictions right let's just go all the way with this like they did everything up to being nc-17 right in, in Bohemian Rhapsody, they really implied a lot, right? Yeah. He's, he's wearing sunglasses indoors at night. Therefore, he must be strung out on drugs. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see him doing any drugs. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, some trucker gave him a wink. He's probably gay. Yeah, right? like, like, <laughs> what, what happened then? Nobody yeah, knows. Like, they do not... As far as the excess, the sex, and the drugs, they don't leave it up for you to determine in this one. No. Like I said, step number one, squirting. You know what kind of a fucking ride you're in for. (laughs) You know what kind of a ride you're in for. But beyond that, the beats, the story beats, yeah. Yeah. Pretty basic. Rock rock movie 101. Um, My thesis is that this is the, without a doubt, unarguably, the best soundtrack to a lifetime movie ever. <laughs> yeah, I get that because it just it just felt I wouldn't say it felt cheaply made. I just I feel like maybe there were way too many executive producers involved in this. Uh, yeah, the four members of the band. Yeah, plus plus. <laughs> yeah. So, I am obviously into really bad stuff. I like I really enjoy a shitty movie and mm-hmm. I and I did enjoy this movie quite a bit. And I have seen the Saved by the Bell movie on 
Lifetime as well as the Full House movie on Lifetime. This these are things I didn't know. (laughs) Danielle is rethinking our relationship. I didn't know this movie feels like those do, only with tits and cocaine. How many Lifetime movies have you watched? Three. How many Lifetime movies have I watched? Three. No, zero. (laughs) You know you're missing out. (laughs) Um. Well, I've I have seen three, but I've seen one of them twice. Does that? The Saved by the Bell one's really funny. Anyways, moving on. Danielle, what is your worst line? My worst line is, don't leave your girlfriend with Motley Crue ever, because they'll fuck her. <laughs> That's your worst line? I actually kind of liked it. <laughs> this is one of those ones, sometimes when we do this show, it's kind of hard to decipher the lines that are best or worst, because they might be the same. Right, yeah, exactly. Like I felt like I just need to put it in. I'm, I'm checking off the boxes here, just like this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got a three-way... Yeah, you do. Three-way tie for worst line. Three Lifetime movies, you mean? I I absolutely hated Stepped Out of the Week saying, I told you to brush up and down. Oh, yeah. That's just... Out of the whole universe of shitty things that a a bad stepdad character could smack a kid for, that's what they went with? Well, yeah, that's supposed to be ironic, right? It's like he was getting beat up for the sake of getting beat up. Yeah, he needs... There needs to be a bad reason, but that... Like, I don't know. That's just like... It was funny. It's, yeah, it is. <laughs> it like, wasn't supposed to be funny. Um, I hated blah, blah, fucking blah. That yeah, that, that was actually bad. was a huge misstep in the movie. Um, and then I... I the, this isn't so much the line as much as the performance of Vince's Against the Universe crying at the booth was... <laughs> it's just bad. It's just bad to me. What uh, What is your best line? Um, I think, hmm, again, it's really tough. I think it's when Nikki Six is in the hotel getting drugs from this, like, hippie dude right before he dies, and they're talking about Walt Disney, and they're talking <laughs> about how perverted Walt Disney is, and how it's like, oh yeah, he used to, he used to, like, lay under a glass table and make girls shit on the table, and then Nikki Six <laughs> says, how do you know about that? Because I'm a perv and I never thought of something fucked up as that. <laughs> this was the second time where they would have a comedy beat immediately before a tragedy. And you didn't know what the fuck to do. Yeah, right. Which I thought actually was kind of clever in the context of the movie, right? Where they really lighten the mood mm-hmm. and then disaster strikes. Because when Vince is in the car with Razzle, they're having a hilarious conversation about right. who would you rather fuck between Cindy Lauper and Boy George. Yeah. And he's going, why would I even be in this situation? <laughs> like, that the Both of those conversations are really funny. Yep. Yeah. The, the Walt Disney one was pretty goddamn good. Um... My best line, I've got a couple of things written down here. Actually, there was a really subtle one in the very beginning when Tommy Lee is leaving his parents' house and he says, later, creators. And I was like, that's a pretty clever, like, 80s stoner idiot thing to say (laughs) to your parents. I really liked when Vince was upset about his pants. I like that he's just standing (laughs) in a crowd naked and all he cares about is that she took his pants. Um, But my, my best line goes to when they're sitting around thinking of band names Tommy Lee suggests that they call the band Foreskins, and the rest of the band is like, that's ridiculous. Like, why would you even think of that? And he goes, because we're going to fuck the audience in the face every night. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what is your worst performance? Um, Tom Zatut, Pete Davidson, AR guy. That's just a really unanimous weak. decision there. Yeah, he plays a wet cat the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. He... 
uh, man, I don't know. There's just some kind of vibe that comes off of that guy in Saturday Night Live and in this where I just can't get on board. And he is awful in this movie. Yeah. He's really, really bad. And and I might go back and, and show you that one clip I was talking about okay. when I have that conversation because it is fucking trash. He, I, and maybe he's supposed to be a, a, a record agency creep. Like, maybe that's what's supposed to be happening. And maybe that we were supposed to feel this way about it, but I don't think the actor carried the acting portion of it very no, well. No, he did a very bad job. Um, who, on the flip side, who gets your MVP? Uh, I thought Vince Neil car- or Vince Neil's actor, David Weber, did the best of everybody. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because he actually had to have more than one or two emotions the I entire would, time. I would say that there are moments. There are moments where he's the MVP, but on there are, average, there, uh, okay. Yeah. I can't. I can't necessarily argue that he has one or two parts that I thought were really, really low points, but he also has probably some of the highest highs in the movie too. My MVP is the EMT who saved Nikki. Six. Is that one guy? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That guy was awesome. He was having a. He's like, this is Nikki fucking six. Like he, he's not about to let Nikki six die. Also, he's the MVP because he saved Nikki six's life. Like the actual act of saving his life. Movie ends right there if he doesn't do that. That's right. That would have been it. What was your unredeemable moment? Uh, breaking the fourth wall, talking to the camera like the one, or doing voiceovers like the Wonder Years, talking to the camera like Zach Morris. It just it was. It wasn't done very well in this movie. I wonder if Deadpool had any influence on this. Uh, uh, I mean, Deadpool wasn't the first. No, but it's probably the most successful and the most recent. Yeah. uh, Yeah, it's just a bad choice. I feel like, again, it's a checkbox. Somebody really wanted to do it. They had the opportunity to make a movie. They really wanted to do it. Yeah. And then it just didn't come off well. Nobody nobody regulated it and was like, eh, it's not working. Yeah. Yeah, the so my my unredeemable moment. I have a few things written down here. I keep harping on the sit down, get back together scene, which was I thought awful, and I'm, but I'm not going to give that the award. Um, I have written down here didn't actually happen. That that legitimately made me like angry. Um, but I think <laughs> what I'm going to give it to, hmm, yeah, I'm going to go with Doc's tattoo. Doc having the <laughs> the tattoo of the band's. Uh, new album right with cover art and everything Uh and then they change the name of the album the day before Uh i don't that just didn't need to be in there like that was pretty unnecessary i thought Mm -hmm. it was like a comedy beat in the middle of a dramatic scene yeah which i like you I'm going to talk about this director here in a second when we get to trivia. Okay. This movie follows no... There's no consistency with what you're supposed to feel. Right. Ever. No. At any point. No. Uh, what was your favorite part? Uh, I think my favorite... Uh, that was very convoluted. Well, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I liked the scene where Tommy Lee is going through Here's My Day, where he wakes up at 5 p.m. He gets a phone call to wake up. He remembers nothing from the night before. He's handcuffed to the bed. And then goes on through, like... Okay, so 7.30, we, we meet up with the record creeps and start to wake up. 9.30, we're on stage. 11.30, the show is over. Then we go out to party, and he starts getting drunker and drunker, ends up throwing up on a stripper. Uh, he's totally blackout drunk and high. And then Doc ends up handcuffing into the bed where he falls asleep, and the whole thing starts yeah, all over repeat. again. Yeah, repeat. Out of context, that is 
that is opposite of what we've been ripping on the movie about, right? That would that, be the trailer. That is not Rock and Roll 101 movie, right? No, that rock was pretty and, cool. That, that is original way to deliver that information. Yep. At the moment that it happened in the movie, it had no place nope. being there. But the, I, I actually really enjoyed that, like, that idea. That was really clever. Um, and I also love how apologetic he was for puking on the stripper. <laughs> yeah. right? Just another attempt at making Tommy uh, Lee not a horrible human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, my favorite part is his tuxedo. His wedding, <laughs> his wedding tuxedo. His wedding tuxedo is fucking epic. His frilly pirate one. Puffy, his, puffy sleeves. Like, imagine the fucking gull. For, so, day before, get drunk, puke on a stripper. Uh-huh. But now I'm very pure and I'm going to wear all oh, white. Oh, white on my wedding. <laughs> you asshole. <laughs> um, what is your better title? Netflix is Motley Crue's Final Groupie. <laughs> I put down... They give them the final blowjob. Final blowjob yeah, for Motley it. Crue. I wrote down paint by numbers music bio plus squirting. Oh, God. It's pretty much uh, pretty much what we're dealing with which here. Which brings us to is it good bad or just bad? I think it's good bad. Yeah, I think so. I too. think it's good bad. I actually I think that it's an incredibly flawed movie from a directorial position. So the director Jeff Tremaine, his only other directing gigs are every one of the Jackass movies. Oh. This is his first feature film. Interesting. Dang. So with that knowledge, it ah, really makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, okay. This is a very bad movie that I had a really good time watching, which is right in our wheelhouse. Yeah, like, I mean, for a lot of the movie, I was really wavering on this. I wasn't sure. I was like, is it good, bad, or is it bad? Like, am I enjoying it, or does it suck? Like, do its, are its flaws <laughs> yes. redeemable? <laughs> right, and I think yes. it's... It's en- it's entertaining enough. It has enough story to be good bad. Like it's still it's a good time. It's a ride. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like it's it's garbage and it's pop rocks, but it's it's a ride. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, okay, we're in agreement that it is good bad. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not garbage. It's no, just it's, it's a good fucking time. When I say garbage, I mean more like it's junk food. Do you know what it is? Junk it food. is it is it's a ADD. it is a 39% on rotten tomatoes and a 95% <laughs> audience score. That's what Perfect. it is. Perfect. It is on this show. That's exactly what it I is. I would recommend that somebody watches this movie if you are already into this sort of thing. Right. If you are not into this sort of thing, pass on it. Yeah. I love Motley Crue's music. So, but Perfect it's it's period. actually hard for me to ingest it. No, like look up do do some digging and look up stories about these guys just so you can formulate your own opinions. I don't want to sway anybody, but th- there's not a lot of great press. We'll put yeah. it that way. All right, so that pretty much wraps up the dirt. Next week we are going to be covering I have no fucking idea. Woo! So get at us at the good Grab bad bag. <laughs> get at us at the good bad show and give us some suggestions. Um, I will tell you that once we hit October, it is going to be horror movies yes. going forward from there. Yes. So um, that would probably bleed over into New Year's Eve. <laughs> no one does <laughs> for us. Yeah. Um, all right. Get at us at the good bad show. You can find me at Fit Geek Training, and you can find Danielle at. The shop that sells those $800 pants. (laughs) I like them. All right, guys. Peace.